Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you, sir? Hello, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. We have our Arbucks coffee again. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. We, uh, I, I have a slice of pizza that I got from the new pizza oven. We oh, have the, here at LFP Broadway oven, yeah. headquarters. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. What would you put on top? A hot dog. A hot dog. <laughs> They, look, they'll let you add anything as well, a condiment. I mean, it's uh, they they were sitting right there. What else are you going to do? Yeah, I was inspired. <laughs> I mean, hot dog and pepperoni are not that different. Yeah, they're both. Kind, they're one's delicious and the other one's gross. Kind of meat? Kind, well, yeah, they are both. You know what? That's exactly right. They're kind of meat. Meat adjacent? <laughs> they're meat centric. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're like a workplace proximity partner to uh, to meat. I saw that they have, uh, you know, for you sort of sorts of people, they have yeah. like a margarita pizza, white yeah. pizza. Yeah, margarita pizza is delicious. Mm. I mean, pizza and a margarita are both delicious, but a margarita pizza is very good. Yes, any combination thereof. Any combination thereof. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mark, um, you know what? We're here to talk about part two of the giant, giant season finale of season six. Moving up, super size, double size, yeah. producers cut, yes. extravaganza galore. Yes. Holy cow! And, you know, we talked about in part one why we were splitting this into two parts, mostly to think, give ourselves a break and give right. our viewers at home a, a slight break. But I think also instead of kind of going through some of the stuff we've already been through, like, you know, the, uh, the what do we do there at the beginning of our show, typically the synopses. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, we're not going to do that today. That's right. Because we did that last time. That's right. And people are clearly listening to part one and then immediately, they're, they're, they're no bathroom break. Binging these. Yeah. That's the, our fans are, are rabid. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Or, or the rabbits. I don't know which it is. I, I it's, it's all in the small print. Right. Look, we, we do well with rabbits. <laughs> I never said we didn't. I, I can relate to rabbits. We eat the same food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my God. Yeah. You eat food that my food eats. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Swanson. Um, so, Mark, why don't you do this for us? Why don't you give us a good recap uh, or even a decent recap of what we did in part one? And then we'll pick it back up and finish up with part two. That's the way it works, right? That's right. All right. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, we last left our heroes and <clears throat> I'll just do normal voice. Um, uh -huh. uh, Leslie was convinced to take the job, but then she learned the merger may take longer and way more effort than she thought, had second thoughts about the job, but ultimately Ben talked her down off the ledge got her to appreciate everything the job would mean to her, and she called Grant Larson and officially said yes. That was the A story. Right. All right. Tom's soft opening failed miserably. Yeah. It was way too soon. Tom bit off more than he could chew, and investor Mitch Savner ended up bailing. Uh-oh. Just as Tom was about to give up, April and Ron convinced him to give it one more try, opening for the Unity concert after party, even without an investor. It's a good idea. B story. B story. Yeah. Ben discovered the game he created, Cones of Dunshire, has spread all over through the internet. Like a and, virus. And, and in fact, Ben managed to talk booming tech company Grizzle into mm. giving Pawnee free Wi-Fi after he beat the company's founders in a game of Cones. That's right. The only thing Ben regrets is not copywriting the mm. game. C-story. C-story. Yeah. Um, and then finally, and that was... Uh, well, we're about to start the Unity concert, so there's really no summary for that. But the only other thing I wanted to mention is Leslie finally told the gang that she was taking the job, yeah. and they were, and they would, she would be moving to Chicago. Yeah. Ben would go with her, and and they were all very happy very for supportive, them. Supportive, yeah. 
and even showed her an altered monument plaque where they added her name to the list of town founders. Yeah. And so now the preparations are all over, and the time is here. Yeah. Unity concert is about to start. All right. That's where we're starting off. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, over in Ramsett Park, the Pawnee Eagleton Unity concert is finally underway, as you said. And the Decemberists are playing in the background, and Tom and John Ralphio are doing their best to sweet-talk another local media celebrity into joining the after party. That's right. So we, we now jump ahead a little bit in time, and we cut to the site of the Unity concert, and we can see that things are in full swing. So there's lots of people milling around, and they're eating food, and they're playing games, and it looks like it's going pretty well. It's fun. And we then see Colin Milloy from the Decemberists walk up onto the main stage, take the microphone, and introduce the band. And the crowd cheers because they're awesome. And Colin makes some small talk, and then he and the Decemberists start playing their great song, The Crane Wife 3. Yeah. While the Decemberists are playing, we cut over to another part of the Unity concert where we see Tom and John Ralphio approach Joan Calamezzo, who is giving out an autograph. After some typical uh, Tom schmoozing and fawning over Joan, Tom cuts to the point and tells Joan about the Unity concert after party at Tom's Bistro and asks her to stop by. Joan seems rather interested in um, John Ralphio, Uh who plays up the angle. And after some crazy conversation involving multiple ankle bracelets, I don't know, Tom (laughs) feels somewhat confident, kind of like with Purd, that Joan may, in fact, stop by. Although he does have to drag John Ralphio away from Joan. Yeah, well, probably a good idea, too. Was that kind of your takeaway, though? Because we didn't say hear Joan say yes. We also didn't hear Purd say yes. But That's I think right. he's hopeful on both accounts so far. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think there's reason to believe it may happen. Right. Yeah. Well, as Leslie and Ben discuss job perks and staffing options with Grant, Jam, Councilman Jam, tries to recruit them to his separate after party. He's an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, we now cut over to another part of the Massive Unity concert where we see Leslie and Ben sitting at a table with Grant Larson, and they're going over Leslie's official job offer, like the documentation. After a weird walk-up by Councilman Jeremy Jam, where he tries to convince them all to come to his secession rally later that night, Succession jam. Weird. (laughs) Grant tells Leslie that the first few months, she's only going to have six staffers, and four of them are coming up from Omaha, which means there are two openings left, which Mm. Grant confirms she can fill with anyone she wants. At this, we kind of see Leslie look up into the middle distance, and she smiles, and she's already, you can see the hamsters yes. running in the wheel. She's trying Absolutely. to figure out which two people from yeah. Parks and Rec her, she's going to yes. bring with her. Right. Yeah. Well, Mark, we now jump back to the concert in progress where the Decemberists are playing, and Tom is working on a genuinely awesome dream guest for the after party. See what I did there? Genuinely I awesome. Did. Yeah, I did. Very nice. Yeah. We basically see the Unity concert is continuing to crush it. I mean, the Decemberists, Genuine, Alan, how could I possibly do this justice? Hey, Constantine, play the clip, man. Genuine, it is an honor to be breathing the same air as you. No joke. 
But real talk, we're both men about town, being constantly bombarded with party invitations. Who is this guy? My friend who's opening a restaurant tonight, and you're going to be there, cousin. Unless you want me to get on stage and talk about how we used to take baths together, how you cried whenever I took away your rubber duckies. Damn, Donna. Why you got to bring the quacks and five into this? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> Little Sebastian, this one is for you, because you're my pony. Nature horse. <laughs> oh my goodness he's genuinely there he is by the way i think i'm really funny yeah. because you know that right but but i know you but, think but you're funny that yeah. was that was uh that was actually a bit i think when they first started talk about little sebastian yeah. especially how ben doesn't get it he didn't get and it, they're just yeah. like what's so special about uh -huh. a pony he's a miniature horse and they they <laughs> pounced on that yeah i'm just saying Genuines, I mean, genuines, genuines. I'm going to let him yeah. get away with it. Yeah. But, you know, you're my pony. You're my pony. horse. <laughs> the, the whole segment's very funny and it's very visual too. But um, yeah. I mean, so far, you're right, Mark. We got the Decemberist as the opening act. Genuine is the second act. It's going pretty well. That's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. Well, while the concert is underway, Leslie takes a moment to work on her dream guest list for Chicago. Yeah, we now cut over to another part of the Unity concert, and we see Leslie talking with Ron. Specifically, Leslie asks Ron to come to Chicago with them. After Ron finishes with his gales of laughter <laughs> and calms down, he gets a bit more serious, and he tells Leslie it's a very sweet gesture. Yeah. And the National Park Service may be the only branch of government worth a damn, but... He and Diane are quite happy raising our family here in Pawnee. And then Ron looks over and sees a fried meat booth and excuses himself. Yeah, with. yeah. Disappointed, but understanding, I think. We see Leslie open her notebook, which has everyone's name in it, scratches off Ron's name. Well, fried Sasha's quilt were calling, so what was a man to do? No, th what the man does is he goes over and buys the booth. That's <laughs> what the man the does. Booth. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, the the... You know, that whole thing about Chicago and obviously, you know, Ron, a.k.a. Nick Offerman, is from Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Terrific. Just love that. Or just outside Chicago, I guess, technically. But Well, over at the kids' stage, we get a chance to meet the legendary Freddy Spaghetti and hey. share in camaraderie with Johnny Karate. That's not what's happening. Well, I like how your voice goes up at the yeah. end because it, it implies a question. Yeah, we it, knew a guy did that a lot. Good, good. Like every sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> oh, so we now cut to the children's stage at the Unity concert where we see Andy kind of standing to the side. And he's getting ready to yeah. go on as yeah. Johnny Karate. And Andy sees Freddy Spaghetti walk by and he cheerfully says hi and tells him, oh man, Freddy Spaghetti, I'm a huge fan. However, Freddy Spaghetti is not a huge fan of Andy, no. since according to Freddy Spaghetti, he had this freaking place on lockdown and he was <laughs> rolling in cash and lonely moms. And then uh. Johnny Karate comes out of nowhere, blows up his spot. Freddy Spaghetti tells Andy, you're going down right before putting on a goofy face and it's spaghetti time and walking off to entertain some children. Andy kind of looks after him confused and yeah. then smiles and says, I all right, see ya. Okay. <laughs> and he's nonplus. And then Johnny Karate is introduced by the announcer, and Andy goes on and starts playing. That's right. 
Well, despite the not-so-subtle death threat for Andy, a.k.a. Johnny Karate, he is determined to go on with the show. That's right. While Andy is playing at the children's stage, we see the camera shift over to Ron, Diane, Zoe, and Ivy, who are standing, I think, kind of near the back of the crowd, and they're listening to Andy play. Um, Hey, Constantine, play the clip, man. Thanks. Daddy, you should play music. Yeah, Ron. Go on, get up there. Have some fun. I recalibrated the sights on all the rifles in the shooting gallery. I've had enough fun for one day. Uh Oh. (laughs) Oh, I know that look. Where is she? She's near. Hide the children. (laughs) Hello, Ron. Hello, Ron's friend. Tammy, what could possibly bring you to a children's performance? Preparing a ritual sacrifice of a newborn? No, just trolling for some daddy. Oh, sorry, I pronounced that wrong. Trolling for some dad D. Yes. Diane, why don't you take the girls for some ice cream while I dispose of the sewer-dwelling gutter witch? <laughs> Bye, Tammy. Always a pleasure. She's cute. So, you want to get out of here? Her very existence renders you a neutered bowl of tasteless gel. <laughs> Find someone else's life to ruin. You're not fooling me, Ron. This little domestic charade of yours hasn't changed you one bit. You're still the same old Ron Swanson. And I will defeat you. I will defeat you right into my pants. Uh, hmm. She seems determined. She does seem determined. Yeah. I still kind of wanted Lucy Lawless to like... Punch her in the face? Yeah, like yeah. suplex her, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, that may yet happen. We'll see. Yeah, we don't know. Dot, dot, dot. Well, after the big set, Johnny Karate, a.k.a. Andy, gets a chance to catch up with another of his personas and gets an unsatisfying closure on another chapter of his life. Yeah, it's a little bit later, and I think Andy has now finished his set, and we see him signing autographs, and who should be standing in line for an autograph but Burley and his nephew Jack, who is a big fan of Andy's. They engage in some pleasant small talk, and then Burley tells Andy, listen, man, I'm sorry things ended so weird with Mouse Rat. That's not really how I pictured us breaking up. And Andy confirms, you know what, I do know. And then he, his imagination kind of runs away with him a little bit because yeah. it seems like he describes like an intricate movie-style action plot of how he allegedly thought they would break up. Well, yeah, he was going to get drafted by the Colts yep. and then a bunch of other stuff was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. his leg's going to break and then <laughs> everyone cheers his name and then he gets really good at chess and he beats a computer. It's like, whoa, sure crap. Like, nine movies like, he together. can come up with this movie plot like that. <laughs> I'll give that to him. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was a really nice moment. So after that moment, you know, Burley and his nephew walk off and... April runs up to Andy and tells him, like, you are doing fantastic. You gave a kid pee pants because he didn't want to leave. That's and a high mark. It is a high mark. And after a somewhat milk toast response from Andy, April asks, what's, what's going on? And, and Andy admits, you know what? In a way, I love Johnny Karate, but in a way, I kind of miss having people up on stage with me. I miss Mouse Rat. Yeah. That's basically what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next up on stage, Ben gets a chance to live out a fantasy live and in person as one of his all-time favorites takes the stage. Yeah, we cut over to the Unity Concert main stage where we now see Ben's favorite band, Letters to Cleo, Cleo. playing Here and Now. Ben is standing just off stage, totally fanboying the band and lead singer Kay Hanley. Ben goes as far as to yell, I love you, Kay Hanley. And when Kay turns to Ben and winks, yeah. Ben stands like, whoa. <laughs> I tell you, Ben's dopey face yeah. is a thing now. It is a thing. It is absolutely a thing. Usually 
held by Ben, but not always. Not always. We've seen it other ways. So Ben goes, whoa. And then we cut to Leslie now talking with April and Andy, trying to convince them to come to Chicago with her. Now, I will say Leslie is smart about it, and she knows her audience, and she's going after Andy by offering deep ditch pizza. Yes. You know, not bad. But April (laughs) talks him down. There's pizza and Pawnee as well. And then April turns to Leslie and tells her, look, Pawnee is cheap. Yeah. Which that that is a good point low cost of living they like it here yeah and yeah chicago seems like there's a lot of stuff to do and and there's lots of people but actually she likes to do nothing with no one so it's not really a draw for her so thanks but i love you but no thanks and i kind of hate you but i more love you and april and andy walk off as a disappointed leslie crosses out two more names from her notebook yeah she's she's going through the list a little bit faster than i think she thought she would yes yeah well, next up on stage, the most Bobby Knight of all cover bands is followed by the most famous band from Pawnee and a loving introduction from one of the most loyal fans. That's right. We cut back over to the Unity Concert main stage where we see the famous cover band, Bobby Knight Ranger. Love it. Which I think is really awesome because I thought that that maybe started as just a nice play on words yeah. and they doubled down they on doubled it here. Down. Yeah, Sister they're all dressed up as Bobby Knight awesome. with the red sweater and yes. white hair and stuff. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> Bobby Knight Ranger is uh, finishing up uh, their cover of the Night Ranger song, Sister Christian, and the crowd cheers and uh, uh, Bobby Knight Ranger makes their way off a of stage throwing chairs as they do, yes. which is apropos Brilliant. for those who know Bobby Knight. Yeah. Um, the Andy, late, great Bobby Knight. Just yes, died. that's right. Yeah. That's rest in peace. Andy then gets up on stage and excitedly tells the crowd, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. This next band agreed to reunite for one night only, and it's going to be great. And then Andy starts to get a little bit lost in his fanboying. Scott Tanner has to draw him back. Anyway, then he introduces, without further ado, Land Ho! And the band Land Ho comes out on stage. Scott can't, Scott Tanner takes the mic, makes introductions, and then he and the band get right into it, playing and singing some of their great songs while the crowd just eats it up. Love it. Again, it's going really well. It's going really well. Yep. Well, as Land Ho finishes up, April helps Andy with the realization, and Andy gets another chance to live out a dream of his own. Yeah. So we, we're staying at the Unity Concert main stage, which we just left, but we jump forward a little bit in time, and we now see Scott Tanner and Land Ho finishing up their set, and they thank Pawnee, and the crowd goes nuts. Yeah. They love their Land Ho. And we then see April and Andy standing off to the side, and we hear Andy tell April that he loves being Johnny Karate, but yeah, sometimes I miss being part of a band. I miss rock and roll, you yeah. know? Almost as if on cue. Scott Tanner, who is still on the main stage with Land Ho, goes up to the mic and tells everyone, joining us now for our grand finale, legendary local band, please welcome Mouse Rat. Yeah. The camera goes back to April and Andy. Andy looks stunned. Whoa. (laughs) And then Andy looks over to the side. He sees Burley and Chang and Rivers walk up to him, and they're kind of smiling. And Burley's holding his guitar. They hand him his guitar, and April tells him, you guys are closing this sucker down. That's awesome. Andy takes his guitar, gives April a giant kiss, and then takes the stage with everyone for the Unity Concert Grand Finale. Love it. Well, Mark, as they say, that only leaves the finale of the finale. So here we go. 
we've got Andy up on stage yep. and the whole gang, every performer who's been at the Unity concert is now on stage. That's and right. And then something really cool happens. That's right. That's right. So we got Land Ho, yeah. the Decemberists, yeah. Genuine, yeah. Letter Cleo, wow. Bobby Night Ranger. Of course. And now, of course, Mouse Rat. Love it. And and we see Andy take the microphone and yeah. What happens next is simply glorious. Constantine, do the honors, buddy. Well, how about this Unity concert, huh, Bonnie? I love this town so much, and I'm just so proud to live here. And we're going to close tonight out with a tribute to Pawnee's greatest treasure. Up in horsey heaven, he is a thing. Now, that, that, there's no better way to end that. Yeah. And they hit all the key lyrics. Yep. Yeah. Spread your wings and fly. It's all there. And Duke Silver. And Duke Silver. Duke Silver. Yep. I mean, pretty cool. Jeff Tweedy, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which, you know. From Wilco. From Wilco and uh, Uncle Tupelo before that. That's right. The Sister Christian Band, or uh, the Bobby Knight Ranger is Yola Tango, actually. That's right. Yeah. So... There's a lot of real musicians up on the stage, which oh, is really yeah. cool. Yeah. And, then, and yet, you know, here's Pratt leading the whole thing, which appropriately, right, as, as Andy, but... Oh, from a plot perspective. From a plot yeah. perspective, but he still got chops, I think, which is kind of oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... I've always all, been impressed by all, that. All of Mouse Rat. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact... They're one of my favorite fake bands. My, my understanding is Rivers. Yeah. Like Mark Rivers. Yeah, like Mark the Rivers, actual yeah. person Mark yeah. Rivers. Yeah. yeah. Is actually a member of Letters to Cleo. Yeah. 
on and off is what I've read, right? Because that's one of those bands. It's like the membership changes. And right. So it's, it's a little bit interesting. But I think that is the tie-in to how they got that all to happen. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. And Mark Rivers also writes a lot of the background music and stuff for the show. So I right. mean, there's a lot of musical talent in this show, which Absolutely. is pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. cool. Well, Mark, now as we wrap up the Unity concert, Leslie and Ben have one more pitch, and this time it's for Donna. With the Unity concert now kind of winding down and people are starting to leave, and we see Leslie and Ben giving the please come with us to Chicago pitch to Donna. And Donna gets right to the point, telling them she appreciates it, but she likes it in Pawnee. Mm -hmm. And things are starting to get serious with Joe, and mm -hmm. so the answer is no, but respectfully. Yeah, and Donna so walks off, leaving Leslie frustrated yeah. at yet another rejection. The whole list, right? Well, we then see Jerry walk up to Leslie and Ben, and Jerry tells Leslie, I, I know that you're asking people to go with you, and I just want to tell you, that you can count me in. Oh, my God. Apparently, Jerry and Gail have been talking about spending their golden years in the big city, and this would be perfect, especially with all four of them there. And Leslie shakes her head in disgust, but Ben is clearly smiling, not at all displeased with this turn of events. Not at all. We see Jerry hug them both, and then he runs off to call Gail and tell her about Chicago. He's all excited. And Leslie turns to Ben, telling him what a disaster this is. But Ben tells her... It sounds pretty good to him. You yeah. got the Windy City, me, my lady, my boy, Larebones. Larebones. <laughs> Leslie just <laughs> stares at Ben in horror, but Ben stands firm, saying, what? Larry's great. The scene ends with Leslie screaming at Ben, have you lost your mind? <laughs> and Ben looking at Leslie with shock and a little fear. Yeah. Well, again, this is kind of touches on the whole thing about, you know, how she should feel about Larry and how she does feel about Larry. So, anyway, yep. We'll come back to that. Yep, we will. Well, Mark, we now jump over to Tom's Bistro, and it's now time for Tom and the team to show that they are ready to impress. That's right. We now cut to Tom's Bistro, where we see Tom giving a pep talk to the staff, including Craig and John Ralphio, before everyone starts arriving for the after party. As Tom finishes, Mona Lisa swaggers in with her father, Dr. Hey, but wieners. <laughs> with her father, the Fonz, or Dr. Lou Saperstein. Do Dr. Fonz, do you? Dr. Fonz. After getting some cash from her dad, money please, Mona Lisa, John Ralphio, and Craig walk off to get a drink together, leaving Tom and Dr. Saperstein to face each other. When Tom asks why he's there, Dr. Saperstein pretty much admits he came there tonight so he could see Tom's business fail. And looking around, the place appears to be empty, so he seems to have a point, at least at first. A few seconds later, though, the door opens and Joan yep. Calamezzo walks in, followed closely by Perd Hapley, yep. and Tom takes their drink orders, and then the door opens once more, and this time we see Kay Hanley and the yep. rest of letters from Cleo come in, yep. and Tom greets them warmly, warmly, excuse me, and then turns to Dr. Saperstein and quietly says, You might want to grab a seat, Dr. Saperstein. Looks like it's getting a little crowded. Nice. And the scene ends with Tom and Dr. Saperstein just kind of staring each other down. <laughs> I waited for the tumbleweed to go between them. Yeah. I love it. Well, we continue at the bistro with a nice moment with Ron and Diane and a devious idea from Ron. Yeah, the camera quickly jumps around at this point to several places within Tom's bistro and it gives us the impression that things are going well. The yeah. place is packed. I think a little time is transitioned. Yeah. You know, 30 minutes. It's a, it's a yeah. montage. It's a montage. Uh, and, and everyone is, seems to be laughing and drinking and having a great time. So, so far, so good. Yep. 
And we then cut to Ron and Diane, who are kind of standing by themselves, and, and they're taking in everything. And Diane tells Ron how fun it was for his girls to see him get up on stage for the Unity concert finale. Yeah. Ron then peers over and sees Tammy, too, walk in to Tom's Bistro. And he turns to Diane and asks, how would you like to have a little more fun? And by the look, by the evil twinkle in Diane's oh, yeah. eyes, she's it is board. clear that she's all in. Well, then we cut over to Jam is apparently drinking at the bar alone, and we see Ron strategically walk up beside him and order a drink. And Jam starts to needle Ron because, like, no one came to his damn secession rally. But <laughs> Ron cuts him off, saying, like, you know what? Not now, Jeremy. I'm yeah. in the middle of a situation over here. And he points out Tammy, too, to Jam and says, She is sexually voracious and she'll do anything to make me jealous. Promise me you won't sleep with her, even though it would be quite easy and certainly mind-blowing. And Jim says, uh, yeah, sure, no no problem, buddy. I I won't do that. But then now we kind of see him maybe checking Tammy out a little bit. He's kind of leering at her. She's clearly got his attention. Ron and Diane have fun phase one. Check. I like it. And we'll come back to phase two. Yep. Well, if you were paying attention earlier to the copyright question over the cones, you now get a welcome update that could eventually be a game changer. Get it? <laughs> For Ben. With the humor. With the yeah. humor. Well, we, we, we cut to Ben sitting alone, you know, having a drink, and he's enjoying himself. But then, just beyond Ben's vision, we see none other than Barney Varmn lean out from behind a post towards Ben. <laughs> Let's see what happens next. Constantine, play that clip. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Startled. It's me, Barney, from the accounting firm. Yes, hi, Barney. You don't have to introduce yourself every time. I was going to wait until your birthday to give this to you, but I'm just too excited. This is the copyright to Cones of Dunshire. After you gave it to us as a gift, we saw its potential, so we formed a C-Corp and registered it in your name. This is amazing. How can I ever repay you? Come work for us at the accounting firm. Okay. (laughs) No, sorry, I can't. Wow. Shortest one yet. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. I love uh, John Balma. John Balma is tremendous. And I've, I've said this in the past. I get disproportionately giddy. When I see Barney Varm yeah. and his, you know, Tilton and yeah. Radomski yeah. and just Ben taking the job and not, it just, it kills me. He, he's so happy. He makes me happy. I, yeah. I love Barney. I yeah. agree. Of course, he got a little bit more disappointment there, but I don't think he was shocked. By yeah, shortest one yet. And, and, and what a gift. Yeah. He, he, he had the foresight to yeah. go, this could be something. I want Ben, which is actually, this is a classy move because I want Super Ben to get the classy. credit that yeah. he deserves. I mean. They could have technically copyrighted this for themselves. Yep. Because they, they sure gave could. it to them. That he sure did. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. So Wowzers. Yeah, Wowzers is right. Well, across the bistro, it's now Diane's turn to screw with Tammy, and she seems like she might be up for the job. Yeah, we now cut over to Tammy too, uh, still in Tom's bistro here, who is standing by herself, and then we see Diane strategically walk through the room close to where Tammy is standing, and surprise, surprise, Tammy sees Diane and like addresses her directly, and they they exchange a few words, and then Diane uh, strategically looks over at the bar where Jam is sitting, and and she pretends to be upset, and when Tammy says, "Well, what's going on?" Diane tells her, 
oh, that's Jeremy Jam, Ron's mortal enemy and my <laughs> former lover. Ron oh hit God. the roof when he found out everything about Jam drives him crazy. And strangely enough, Tammy starts looking over at Jam. He's like, he's kind of cute. What's his deal? And maybe he, uh, I'm interested. And then she, mm. and then she leaves and she walks over there. Ron and Diane have fun. Phase two. Yeah. Check. Check. Oh boy. I wonder when this will come home to roost. My gut is early in season seven. I wouldn't. I'd use a different phraseology <laughs> other than roost because I don't know what Tammy two is up for. I don't know what she's not up for. <laughs> very, very true. And as as illustrated by her comments to Diane, apparently. Yeah. Well, next up and still at the bistro, Andy gets a chance to say thank you. And Dr. Saperstein has a bit of a change of heart. Yeah, still at Tom's Bistro, of course, we see a couple of small vignettes play out. So the first vignette is with April and Andy. Andy tells April how much he appreciates her organizing the Mouse Rat reunion and tells her how freaking awesome mm -hmm. she is and how he wishes he could marry her all over again. <gasps> and then the perfect plan formulates in his little Andy head. Let's get divorced yeah. on account of then we can get married, married again. again. And total, April's total just logic. like, no brainer. I'm all in. <laughs> and then they celebrate their plan by kissing all over each other because they're just stupid in love. Yeah. Um, the second vignette is with Tom. After Tom talks with Craig about how amazing this is, Craig walks off and Dr. Saperstein swoops in to talk to him. And Saperstein admits he is impressed. And yep. in short, tells Tom, I want to be an investor. At this, Tom takes great pleasure in telling him, you know what, I'm not really looking for investors given the almost embarrassing level of success <laughs> I've attained, but I'll consider it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to get some celebrity pictures for my wall of fame. He asks Kay Hanley if he can take a Yui, which is what he calls a selfie of other people. I love it. Very, <laughs> it's, very Tom. It's so Tom. Well, Mark, finally at the Bistro, Ben lets us know how they did on getting the petition goal, and we wrap up this sequence of events. Yeah, we now cut over to Leslie and Ben standing together facing the rest of the room. And Ben clinks his glass to get everyone's attention. It gets quiet, and Ben goes on to remind everyone that their main goal was to get 2,000 signatures in support of the merger. Yep. And on this first night alone, mm. they nearly doubled that. Wow. So crushed it. Everyone cheers. Leslie then goes on to thank everyone for their hard work and for saving Pawnee, maybe literally, because, you know, unincorporated territory. Yep. Leslie then introduces Tom to everyone at the as the owner of this amazing restaurant. Yay, everyone cheers. Tom then tells them the next round is on the house. Yay, yeah. everyone cheers even louder. All is good. And we, we then cut to Ron and Diane standing together, looking at Tammy and Jam, who are now intensely and somewhat grossly oh kissing each other. <laughs> Ron is so delighted at this, he's almost crying. Yep. I mean, they're going to just make each other so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Ron and Diane have fun. Phase three and final phase? Yeah. Check. Check. Well, Mark, from there, we bounce up to the third floor, not the fourth floor, <laughs> of City Hall where Ron and Leslie are commiserating, and Ron unintentionally inspires a bit of a solution. Yeah, we now jump forward in time a little bit later that hours, night at hour. some point, and, yeah. and we cut to, as you mentioned, Alan, the third floor of City Hall, where we see Ron sitting at a desk, pouring himself a drink, and we see Leslie walk up to him and sit down. Constantine, play the clip, buddy. You look sad, nope. Couldn't find any takers for Chicago? Everybody turned me down but Larry. Ouch. Yeah. Well, cheer up. You got a new job, new challenges, all that crap you like. Man, I'm gonna miss Pawnee. I wish I could stay. You know, keep an eye on it, raise my kids here. 
And let's be honest, am I ever gonna find a better breakfast than JJ's Diner? You will not, no. <laughs> I know it's not easy to leave, but this job does seem perfect. Of course, I'd prefer you use your talents elsewhere. You know, with your courage and small frame, you'd make an excellent coal miner. Thank you, Ron, that's very sweet. <laughs> it's time for you to move up in the world. Your ambition was bound to take you away from the town you love sooner or later, and you can't have everything you want. Oh my God. <laughs> I can have everything I want. Thank you. I feel like you're not listening to me. <laughs> oh, and by the way, don't think that we are not discussing Duke Silver. Yep. Uh, when were you going to tell me about that? Unbelievable, I am so furious at you, but I've already forgiven you and you need to teach me how to play the saxophone. Okay, bye. <laughs> Some foreshadowing there. Yup. Well, acting on her new inspiration, Leslie pitches her idea for the new Midwestern division location that will allow her to have it all. Yep. I think it's now the next day. Yeah. Like maybe the morning of yeah, the next I think day. So. And and we once again cut to the third floor of City Hall, but this time we see Grant Larson get off the elevator. And he may be expecting to just meet Leslie there, but what he sees is Leslie and the entire Parks and Rec gang to a person yeah. is standing there with her. Yeah. And Leslie tells Grant the best version of her working as Midwest Regional Director is not, in fact, in Chicago. It's right here in yeah. Pawnee. Ben points out the enormous financial savings due to the way lower cost of living here. Tom points out Pawnee is actually closer than Chicago to most of the Midwest region parks. Mm. April points out they also have free Wi-Fi, thanks to Grizzle. Grant seems, I think, convinced, or at least enough, and agrees to pass on Leslie's idea to the decision makers yeah. for such things. Yeah, I love it. Well, Mark, finally from there, we wrap up our mega season six finale with a rare double jump forward in time and a new baseline for the seventh and final season. That's right. So we're at City Hall once again, and we see words on the screen one month later. Constantine, my friend, play us out. Sometimes you have to make the hardest climb to see the most beautiful sunrise. I read that once on an old lady's decorative pillow, but it is really how I feel today. I've climbed a very weird and rocky mountain, and it was a pain in the ass, and my legs are tired, and I'm starving. But the sun is rising over a sea of love and waffles and possibility. So I'm just going to relax and take a deep breath and enjoy this view for as long as I possibly can. Three years later. Call Ken and Rebecca and no statements to the press unless I personally release them. We are on a media lockdown. Where is Ed with the file? Ed! I'm sorry, Miss Snope, I lost the file. It's gone. Ed, you're a nice guy, but you're the most incompetent person I've ever worked with, and that includes Terry. Jeez, get it together, Terry. Clean out your desk, you're fired. I understand. Thank you for the literally hundreds of opportunities you've given me. Goodbye, everyone. It's been a great three years. Cancel my flight to South Dakota. We'll do it next month. Babe, what's our play here? Everyone's waiting downstairs in my office. Let's just go hear what they have to say. Well, honey, tonight's your big night. No, this is more important. Where are the kids? Right here. Hey, guys. Mommy and Daddy have to do a little work, and you're going to have a fun play date with Uncle Andy and Auntie April, OK? Let's go, munchkins. Uh, I forgot, Ben, how many bags of marshmallows do I give them? None. Just let April do everything. <laughs> One day in the distant future, things will be calm and normal, right? Probably not, but that's okay. You ready? Not at all. But that's never stopped us before. 
go. Fade to black. Wonder what they could be talking about. So during that silence there between the one month later jump, we jumped three years. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just take a moment yeah. and talk through this a little bit. So during the talking head, the whole concept here is we, we see a bittersweet Leslie clearing out her office for the last time yeah. so she can officially move up to the third floor. Yeah. And during the talking head, we see Leslie makes it up to the third floor, which is pristine and empty. And we see Leslie walk over to what will become, I would imagine, her desk. And yeah. she kind of starts unpacking her stuff and she's placing things on her new desk. And finally, we see Leslie hang a picture on the wall behind her desk. And the picture is of herself and the rest of the Parks and Rec gang. Yep. And the camera kind of zooms in yep, on the back. picture as yep. the talking head ends. Yep. And then the camera zooms back out from the picture that, that they had prior zoomed yes. in on. Yeah. And, and it's three years later is now. Yep. And, and we see the previous solitary picture on the wall is now surrounded by many other pictures. And we hear the hustle and bustle, obviously, of a busy office yep. in the background. People are talking and yep. phones are ringing. And um, the, the, and we see the camera swings to the side and we see Leslie uh, talking, issuing orders to someone. And Leslie is doing a classic West Wing walk and talk. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, the, actually, this whole end scene is very reminiscent of West it, Wing. It very much is, yeah. It's, um, it even feels shot like it from a camera perspective. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and then at the very end, you know. Uh, Ed. Well, played by well, John Hamm. That's so terrific. Oh my God! When he plays an idiot, it's one of my favorite roles for him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He was yeah. great in the uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Yes, he was. Karate so. kick. Um, <laughs> and then at the very end, though, um, you know, Leslie's like, "One day things will be calm and normal, right?" And Ben's like, "Probably not." But you ready? She's and like, he's in a tux. And he's in a tux. And Leslie's don't know like, why. Like, no. The, it, so they're going to some meeting downstairs. And everyone's um, gathered. He said, everyone's up. waiting downstairs in my office. Let's just go hear what they have to say. Interesting. And and Leslie says, honey, tonight's your big night. Well, this is more important. So then they go into the elevator and it's like, are you ready? Nope, but that's never stopped us before. The elevator doors close. They're ready to go downstairs holding hands. Door closes. Fade to black. Fade to black. Yeah. That, that's a very enticing ending. I mean, kind of cruel. They're going to make everybody wait icing, six well, months. <laughs> icing on top of the cake that is a three-year jump. Yes, but that ending specifically, yeah, is enticing. I, you know, I've got a lot of comments about this three-year jump and other things. Let's take a break, right, yep. and get our notes together. We come back. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about our scores and uh, for for the entire episode. Even though we kind of broke this into two parts, we're going to score it with one single score. Yep. Uh, although I have two scores, but that's, we'll talk about that too. So, all right, let's do it. All right. Well, we will be right back, everybody. Every generation has its iconic concert film that changes the way people think about modern music for the years that follow. For this generation, that film is Identity Crisis. This is Mouse Rat. Hello, this is Reginald Swanson, Ron's cousin from the UK. From their humble roots in small-town Pawnee, Indiana, to their almost regionally recognized heights, Mouse Rat has been the music of a generation and their fans will never be the same. 
Starting from their early beginnings at the WKKR 2008 Pawnee Battle of the Bands to their soaring heights up near Horsey Heaven at the Pawnee Unity concert a few years later, Mouse Rat, like so many amazing rock gods before them, struggled in their early days with finding their voice and a permanent band name. Tens and hundreds of early fans knew them with various other but equally awesome names such as Scarecrow Boat, Angel Snack, Puppy, Possum, or even Penis Pendulum, Punchface Champion, Department of Homeland Obscurity, Jet Black Pope, and many, many, many other names before the group finally settled on their best and most consistent name, Mouse Rat. And there has never been another band like them since. So, whether you are a lifelong fan or just band curious, look for this mind-bending documentary brought to you by Entertainment 720 and coming soon to theaters everywhere with simultaneous releases on HBO Max and Pawnee Public Access 46. The band is Mouse Rat. The film is Identity Crisis. And this has been one of their biggest fans. Just don't tell them that a Swanson sent you. We do have our reputations to uphold. Thank you. That is all. Right, everybody we're back well mark you know in a normal episode we would uh, at this point talk about our deleted scenes that's right we have none again right because this is a giant 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 if you haven't already heard us say that producers cut 53 minutes long yep uh, i'm certain there probably are some outtakes somewhere but probably nothing meaningful because everything they needed to have on screen i would argue was on screen here. i agree yeah For sure absolutely well you, let's talk real quick about tropes first and fun facts and then we'll get into our scores all right. How about what, you first, Mark? How about them first? All right. I, I got a few. Yep. So I have uh, the first appearance of Donna's cousin, Genuine. Love it. Often he does, referred to. He, yeah. But he does come back. Yes. That's, you're right. He does. Yeah. Um, first time, to my knowledge, that Dr. Saperstein actually offers to be an ally to Tom instead of an enemy. I like that. Um. We are. We see Leslie's name inscribed on the monument as a founder of Pawnee. Yeah. Um, the first time the third the the city hall third floor that Ron refurbished first gets used for something. Yeah. Um, the first time that Leslie, Ben, Donna, and Jerry learn that Ron is Duke Silver, because if you remember, Tom, April, and Andy already Are knew. You? The first time we hear. Ron's daughter's calm daddy. I had that one too. That, that hit me hard. Yeah. I agree. First time we hear Jerry called Terry. Yes. In the future jump. Yeah. And the first and last time that we are introduced to Leslie's idols, Rebecca Veruvian and the Department of the Interior's resident bad boy, Liam Bonneville. <laughs> yes, you're correct. But I miss. Um, I said it's the... First time we meet any other children's act, so we meet Freddy Spaghetti. Mm. So his competition, so to speak. Um, I don't know if Freddy Spaghetti comes back or not. I can't remember. I keep confusing Freddy Spaghetti with Victor Vito from Lori Berkner from when my daughter was a little girl. 
<laughs> I can't remember. I, I don't know, and it doesn't really matter, I guess, but it's the first time we know that there's a world of children's music outside of Johnny Karate, which I thought was interesting. Um, it's the first time that Leslie takes a job outside of Pawnee or outside of local government. That's true. Which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I said it's the first time we actually get to see Grizzle. Yes. Again, referred to but never seen up till now. Yes. Yes. Very, very true. Yep. I don't know. That might be Freddy Spaghetti's last appearance. It could be. It was good enough to be. <laughs> Fair enough. One death threat does enough. So, yeah. I love it. How about tropes, Mark? All right. I got a pretty big list. So, uh, Punching Bag Jerry. Yep. And then I always say Jerry, Gary, Larry, but now it's Jerry, Gary, Larry, Terry. That is correct. He's got yet a new name. Yeah. So I got Punching Bag Terry, too, by the way. <laughs> uh, I have uh, Leslie Nope Binders, because oh, you notice yeah. that there's one that she gives to Grant at the end, which says the best option hands down, where yep. they're convincing him. Yep. Um, this is one that you came up with, and I really like it. I said, Leslie Dreams Big. Yep. I had that one, too. Um, Sweet Stupid Andy. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, Craig is crazy. Yes, he is. Fun with names. Yes. Uh, which which I'll get to here in a second in okay, more detail. Good. good. Um, alter Egos. Yes. Johnny Karate. Yeah. Um, TCOPG, which I think I've done before. Tom calls old people grandpas. <laughs> he did. <laughs> um, woodworking Ron. Yep. Had that. Uh, uh, food Driven Ron. Yeah, of course. So the sausage quilts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Ron the Father. Because we get to see that aspect yes, of him. Yes, I have to bless myself every time you say that. Yeah. <laughs> Ron the Mentor. I called that one um, Ron the Wizen, uh, which I, like I, I misread as Ron the Wizard, but it works either way. <laughs> <laughs> Expecto Patronus. That's right. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I want that crossover so bad. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> no. <laughs> Defense well, we against... talked about recasting Parks people. <laughs> we need to put the Parks people in the Harry Potter. Can you see him as Hagrid? You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> He's got the beard. Oh the, mustache the mustache that will make the beard. Yes. Um, I don't know if we've done this before, but I think it deserves it. Ron smells Tammy too. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. I don't know what it is. It's a disturbance in the force, I think. Yeah. Um, I said crazy Pawneeans, and and... I said that thinking that there were some other uh, individuals other than like the celebrities and maybe there's not. So maybe I put I that down. I don't think there haste. are because I was ready to type it and I couldn't get, find it. I think that's a mistake yeah. on my part. Yeah. Um, mugs to the camera. Yes. Several. Yeah. I, I had Andy, April, Ben and Donna at least. Yeah. 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 Um, Cones of Dunshire. Yes, definitely. Um, Barney loves Ben. Ah, uh, so good. Ben loves Letters to Cleo. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, and we get to see them, which was terrific. Yeah. And Here and Now is such a great song. So, And speaking of which, Ben's dopey face, <laughs> which usually is owned by Ben, but not always. Not always. Um, and then finally, a biggie. Here we are, Alan, at yeah. the Unity concert <laughs> finale. Yeah. Ben clearly still doesn't understand what all the freaking fuss is over Lil Sebastian. Yeah. And, and we get the mug to the camera with yes. the, that exposes the bidget. Yes. I mean, Love he's it. happy for everyone. He's, he he's willing to go along he's going with along, it. But yeah. if you get him aside and get a drink in him, he's going to be like, I, I, don't, still I, don't, get it. I don't understand this yeah. at all. <laughs> Love it. what I miss? So I had um, Leslie Dilemmas. Right. It's a little bit like Leslie dreams big, but there's like her conundrums. Right. And which is, a, we see that a lot. So, and this one, she had a really big one. 
right? What's she going to do? Right. She's got this huge opportunity. Um, I had, uh, did you have woodworking, Ron? I had woodworking, I Ron. Okay. Um, I had, uh, let's see. Oh, Obama, Biden. So we've had multiple relation, multiple appearances and references to the Obama administration, including Vice President Joe Biden. Oh, that's and true. Now First Lady Michelle Obama. Yep. And of course, references to Biden him, or Obama himself in, in just in reference. So right. And uh, Biden. And Biden. Yes, absolutely. So um, let's see. We have uh, I, I had one. Tammy, too, is a monster. Mm. <laughs> Which yeah, she certainly is true. Um, Tom Flatters Joan. Yep, yeah. that's a great one. <laughs> I couldn't help not laugh when I wrote this one. Joan Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> and I only wish I thought of it so much sooner because <laughs> it's been in so many episodes. I feel that's like it was a funny, huge missed opportunity. Yeah. And then my last one was April's Andy's number one fan. Yes. Yeah. Even though Mousetrap's not her favorite band, well-established, Andy is her favorite. So, yes. Yeah. Love it. Well and, done. Yeah. And they're such a great pair. So how about goofs or fun facts, Mark? Did you have any this week? I had a few fun facts. Okay. Um, so, you know, we've already gone over the scene in the first half yep. where Ben is playing the founders of Grizzle in Cones of Dunshire. Yeah. And, and in the producer's cut, there's an added part which we heard, I think, in in a clip that we played, where Ben offers Grizzle owner Mike Bean a chance to accept a draw. Yes. When when uh, finishing up their game, right? And and apparently, and I didn't realize this, this is supposedly a near line for line remake of the final scene in Searching for Bobby Fisher, where the protagonist Josh offers his nemesis a draw that his nemesis then refuses, and then Josh goes on to beat him. Interesting. Um. You had mentioned uh, Bobby Night Rangers played by Yola Tango, which yep. is which is really fun. Yeah. Um, apparently the uh, the song that Jeff Tweedy played as part of Land yeah. Ho is yeah. actually a song of of uh, Wilco's, yes. a name Pickled Ginger. Yeah. Uh, which I was not personally familiar with, but that's a fun little factoid. Yeah. Um, it was so good that I'm like, that has to be a real song. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and then the thing that I mentioned about Mark Rivers, um, I think we've talked about this before, but that the, the letters to Cleo, they convinced them to come on the show because of Mark Rivers being kind of an on, on again, off again uh, member. Right. Um, and and I guess that's the band shirt that that Ben wears all throughout, like, well, the series. Yes. Basically. Yes. Um, Depressed Ben. Remember when he's making. The oh, claim? yeah. Yeah. The claymation. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah. Any other fun facts that you had? I had, um, so uh, there's a line that Ron says when he talks about taking shortcuts on his chairs. He says, who do you think I am? Thomas Hucker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thomas Hucker is a real person. Yeah. He's an American artist working in woodworking and furniture and uh, from Pennsylvania. A very good one. And I'm sure that comment was ironically meant not as a real dig against a really good woodworker. Right, so, right, right. We know both Ron Swanson and Nick Offerman would really appreciate. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only one I had. I did have a goof that I'm going to call out and I didn't yep. see any, and maybe there were online, but this one, I, I've seen a lot of posters, fake posters for the unity concert. And even I think they're inspired by a reference to the dates on the, or in the show. But Tom says that the restaurant is going to open in July. He mm -hmm. tells the investor he's ready to open in July. Six weeks, right? So they basically are going to open five weeks early, which would put us in when? 
Well, that would be our, at, at, at May, right? End of May, maybe beginning of June. Most of the posters show the Unity concert with April dates. So there's, there's, Interesting. A, there's a conflict, and I don't know who's right and who's wrong, but I just thought it was worth calling out. Yeah. Yeah. That is so my fake Unity concert poster is going to have a May date. <laughs> so there you go. Very nice. All right, Mark. Well, I think it's actually time for us to get into the score and send this sucker home. Well, if I may, I, I have one segment I'd like yes. to introduce in it here. Um, you know, Alan, we've gone on and on and on about how huge and supersized and Mongo this thing is. We have. Well, th there's, a, there's an attribute of that that is so enormous that I wanted to take a moment and call it yes. out. Go for it. I there think I know were what you're so many guest stars in this chock-a-block supersized producer's cut double episode that I thought, let's just create a one-time segment to talk about. Yeah. So I kind of split the, the, the... I mean, we've had some guest star heavy episodes. Yeah. But nothing like nothing. this. Nothing. This, yeah. this, this dwarfs them all. This is the largest list that has ever been or will ever be. Yeah. Uh, for Parks and Rec. Yeah. So I, I drove it into, into three categories. One is last appearance. Mm -hmm. One is people playing themselves, like Michelle Obama. Yeah. And then the other is not done yet. Oh, I like so, that. Um, and, and I realized, as you mentioned, like you, you stumped me without even knowing that you stumped me because I miss Freddie Spaghetti. He's oh. the one that I missed. Okay. Um, and I don't, I think maybe this is his last appearance, but I, I think he's a one and I, done. I can't, yeah. well, not a one and done. He showed up before in well, the episode for Spaghetti. Well, that's true. So, so he's a two this and is done. his second episode. Right. Well, he's a trope then. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so here's the so long. Yeah. Like this is their last appearance. Okay. First of all, we have Ron's family. Yep. The great Lucy Lawless as yeah. Diane Lewis, yeah. um, Sadie Salazar as Zoe Lewis, Ryan Lee as Ivy Lewis. Yeah. So tips, tips to, to the hat, hat to yes. the Swanson family. Yes. Um, miscellaneous, I'm going to say regulars in the sense that they've been on multiple shows. Yeah. Um, Brady Smith as Grant Larson. Yes. Uh, Richard Portnow as investor Mitch Savner. Mm. Uh, Cindy Endicott as Madison. Craig's friend no who drove Madison, in there. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I'm only saying this just because he was pretty funny and he's been on several episodes. Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. Uh, uh, playing Scott yeah, Tanner. He did a great job. Yeah. Not an actor, but he did a great job. He did a great yeah. job. Um, still on the so long, like last appearance yeah. category, we have Leslie's idols. Um, Maura Soden as Rebecca Var Varuvian and Joe Salza as bad boy, Liam Bonneville. <laughs> um, and then I have a last subcategory of so long, last appearance, I say small parts, funny names. Yeah. So we have Patrick Gilbert playing Lester Knopf. Yeah. Um, we have, I love this name, Jill Basie plays Erica Weekstrong. I saw that. Who is the, one of the, he's, she's the woman audience member who's giving Leslie a hard time during her speech. Oh, about the uh, amount of time it's going to take to do the thing. In a similar sense. Barry Ford plays. I love, a, I love a good oxymoronic last name. Yeah, Weekstrong. <laughs> it argues with itself. And then Barry Ford, uh, the because the, there's a woman in the audience and there's a guy in the audience. Yeah, the older gentleman. Yes, his name. So Barry Ford played Golm Bimbenders. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the guy. But come on, um, Doug Smith played taxi driver Horace. Horace, yeah, and uncredited. John Hamm plays Ed, the guy who gets fired. I can't believe the they didn't credit him, but I, I don't, it's it's more fun to do that sometimes and exactly. hide it, which exactly. is what they did. Yes, and it's fun that he he agreed to do it. I'm he, sure he's he just a huge that star was. at this point. 
Oh yeah. In, in 2015, absolutely. Right? Or 2014. So to get him at that point at the height of Mad Men was something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You you got to think he's a great sport. Uh, he is a great sport. I mean, he he plays an idiot a lot. Yeah. Shockingly, and I'm watching the second season now of uh, Good Omens. He's Gabriel, but he's Gabriel with uh uh, he's lost his memory. He's a total <laughs> idiot, and it is funny as hell. So anyway, um, so that's category one, like yeah. the 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 last appearance. Yeah. Category two, people playing themselves, which by the way are also all one and done, except for genuine. So here's the list: you got a Michelle Obama, yeah, genuine, of yeah. course, um, Colin Malloy, Chris Funk, Jenny Conley, Nate Query, John Moen of the Decemberists, yeah. Um, from uh, Yola Tango, we have Ira Kaplan, James McNew, Georgia Hubley. I'm throwing a flag on that one. They weren't playing themselves. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I mean, they're right. Yeah, I guess they're that's Bobby true. Ranger. I guess that's true. Yeah, so, I guess but that's true. I think it still counts. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled, but yeah, you're yes. right. You're right. They're playing Bobby <laughs> damn Night Ranger. And then, of course, uh, the, the people from Letters to Cleo, yeah. uh, led by lead singer Kay Hanley. Yeah. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, that's great. So that's category two. <clears throat> category three, I'm going to call not done yet. Hmm. Uh, so we got uh, the, the fantastic Billy Eichner as Craig Middlebrooks. Yeah. He's definitely coming back a lot. A lot. Um, yeah. Megan Mullally as Tammy, too. She's not done yet. Yeah. Uh, John Glazer as Councilman Jam. He's not done yet. Yeah. The uh, wonderful and talented Mo Collins as Joan Calamezzo. The yeah. great Jay Jackson as yeah. Bird Happily. Um, the great John Balma as yes. Barney. Oh, I'm so glad he's coming back. Me so too. they're not done yet. Yeah. Um, the Saperstein family. Yeah. Uh, Henry Winkler as Dr. Lou Saperstein. Ben Schwartz as John Ralphio Saperstein. Jenny Slate as Mona Lisa Saperstein. They're all coming back. Good. Um, the co-owners of Grizzle. Blake Anderson from Workaholics yeah. playing Mike Bean. Yeah. Uh, Lillian Bowden playing Sam Nutt. As uh, as uh, they're both the co-owners or co-founders, maybe of Grizzle, Um, they come back, and then finally, maybe obvious, but I'll say it anyway: Mouse Rat, Andrew Burlinson, and Alan Yang, Mark Rivers playing Burley Chang and Rivers, uh, they all come back. Awesome. I'm exhausted talking about all those. That's quite a list. It's a huge list, and I mean, I, I I I'm certain, like you said, it's definitely the longest guest star list we'll ever see in this show. Yes. I wonder if it's up there with like really just any show. I'm I'm betting that there are some shows single episode, just, single episode, right? I mean, you get the Love Boat or Fantasy Island or one of those where or Murder She Wrote. Speaking of Murder She Wrote, yeah, those were the shtick, right? There was always a guest star, and they had hundreds, right? But that's over a whole series run. This is like basically a single episode. I think this is an impressive showing, no matter how you slice it. There may be a show out there that just got absolutely nuts crazy maybe. that maybe eclipsed it but it's it's going to be rare it'd be rare this, this yeah. is going to be at the top of the list and that really speaks i think to the producers you know mike sure greg daniels amy poehler i mean they're the ones that made that happen yeah and their connections so bravo yep yeah. i agree yeah well nice job i like that mark so well now take a breath and do the scores oh all right Gotta get get my bearings here. All right. All right. This at a certain point I just go, I don't even know where to start with this. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we can use our normal structure and we will, I'm sure, but at the same time, it feels different enough that I'm like, yeah, like, do we use our normal structure? Well, let me tell you what I did. What'd you do? 
first of all, my MVP. P? Whew, all right. I'm I'm listening. You have my attention. Mike Sure. Oh, damn it. That's good. <laughs> kind of makes you wish you'd thought of that, didn't Son it? Son of a... <laughs> yeah. Now, that's cheating a little bit, but I stand by it. In which role? Director, producer, writer? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to choose yes for that answer, Alex. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say as the, let's say he is the, he's the origin story, if you will, for this show yeah. in general. Um, and so l- I'll, I'll explain more. Okay. Here. So, yeah. oh my God. So this double size, yeah. super size season finale could have, this season finale could have very well been the series finale. And yeah. I would have been 100% okay with that. Some people would argue it should have been. Not me. I, I, I understand that approach, and I respect it enough yeah. that I'm not going to say anything against it and move on. But if you had the chance to come back for a season seven, which I'm not sure they actually knew they were going to get, and I think that's why it's shaped the way it is, wouldn't you come back for season seven? Absolutely. Yeah, of Absolutely. course you would. So we had already mentioned this, but, you know, it's, it's, it's 53 minutes. Yeah. This is the largest collection of continuous Parks and Rec awesomeness I have ever seen or I will ever see. It's like a miniature movie. It really was. Um, In fact, if you had a couple of the guest appearances from last episode, some of the regulars that weren't in this one, you would have had it all literally. Yeah. 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 There's too much to like about this extravaganza for me to just pick one or two people. Now, if you said, look, Mark, okay, your, your answer is cute for mm-hmm. Mike Sure, but like, okay, let's look, it's just you and me in the room. Yeah, like, who really? like, who do you really like? Yeah. I, I still couldn't do it. Like if you had to say who s- stood out. Yeah. So you know how we did the four stories? Yeah. I, I think I would go right down there and I'd say, Amy. Yeah. Um, Ta- Tom. Yeah. Sorry. The, the, it, in the order. Yes. Yeah. Amy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amy is Leslie Nope. Uh, yeah. Aziz Ansari is Tom Haverford. Yeah. Uh, Adam Scott is Ben Wyatt. Yeah. And I'd say, just because I thought he was so good and so funny, Chris Pratt. Mm. I, I, I'd say, honestly, all four of those, I couldn't argue with any of those choices if someone said, that's, a, that's my MVP. Okay. Um, I, I think for me, those four brought the most to this episode. Um, and that's me as, as a Nick Offerman fanboy. Yeah. He's not even on the list. I mean, and yet, great he, job. Him Everybody. and Diane yes. had those great moments, and Ron, Sage Ron. I mean, he's still there. He is so there. Yeah. I mean, that just shows how good I think those four are. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, Alan, we've said before that when a season gets, oh, a season, when a series gets to uh, uh, later seasons, like let's say beyond three or four. Well, now it can start to suffer a little bit compared to its earlier seasons because, like, things that were new, yeah. well, now maybe they're not as new as they were. Like, maybe now it can be a kind of old hat, you know? However, those same situations, I feel like, also bring a bonus, which is that the prior events can now be built upon yeah. to, to build the higher ladder, so to speak. Yeah, you do have that benefit. Standing on the shoulders of giants, as it were. Even um, if they built those giants themselves. Right, right. right. And, and most importantly... This gives the opportunity for the long-term payoff, like mm-hmm. old unresolved issues or plot lines can be, they can be Tied driven up. home in a way that feels, feels warm and satisfying. And, and that's what I think happened here. Yep. Like there's a satisfaction that comes from seeing what is for all intents and purposes, 
Leslie's final path. And the same thing goes for Tom and even for Ben, you know, with with Cones of Dunshire and and his legacy of wanting to leave Pawnee in a good place before he and Leslie, they thought they were going to be taken off. That's right. Um, And and that's why I got to give my MVP to Mike Shore for being at the helm of this fantastic show and guiding it in the right direction and being smart enough to weave plots in with each other, even over the course of multiple seasons to make it even possible for this coming to a head to be so satisfying. I mean, when they plan a whole season, you can see how they could have a long arc for the season, and then each show has its own arcs. That's, that's I would say, not table stakes, because not everybody does it, and certainly not everybody does it well, but this show does it well a lot. This is bigger than that. Well, and then you have another level, which is yeah. series arc. Which I, I think is your point, right? Yes. You're, we're seeing that now. Yes. 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 And I know I've said in the past, it's like, well, when you have a, an episode that is like the culmination of blah, 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 a culmination of a storyline, a culmination yeah. of a plot line or whatever, the payoff, does that episode, should that episode be getting all the credit or should it like be dispersed, uh, you know, between episodes that came before it? I don't know, but I'm giving this episode the credit. This is where it, it, it gives you the feels for it, you know? Just like the season three finale, when they had the Little Sebastian Memorial. Yes. Having the final song being Bye Bye Little Sebastian, a.k.a. 5,000 Candles in the Wind, yep. was genius. Was. And, and in its own way, it brought us back to the awesomeness of that season finale which yep. which i might add got a 10 from both of it us did, yes um plus i gotta say having ron oh my god having ron decide to get up there and join them as duke silver in the very end i'm gonna be honest alan it gave me goosebumps yep even even though logically i knew it was coming i couldn't help it it was like that gave me chills it's still good it's still really good. really good yep. and I thought about it, and I realized that the writers of Parks and Rec, they had only gotten 10 episodes into the whole freaking series when they decided to bring up the whole Duke Silver plotline. That has been in existence for a long, so this is like the long third or fourth time. episode of season two. Wow. Yes. Wow, that's way back. And this, this was a magnificent freaking payoff for one of the show's longest-running gags. Yeah. And I, sh- I don't even, calling it a gag is not even the right way to put it. But- no, but I get it. And I mean, the shtick, right? I mean, it's a lot of things. It's Ron about his privacy. It's, you know, and this thing he has for himself at that point, way before Diane and the kids. And, and now. His journey. His, it's his journey. It's symbolic of his journey. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, and we talked about that when we talked about how to break this one down. And yes. we decided for, because we, I mean, you know, spoiler, right? We, we did talk about this one. That's rare for us. We hardly ever Because this it. could have gone any of like a thousand different ways. It would have been so confusing if you had three and I had 19. Right, <laughs> which right. Which was on the table. So It's like comparing apples to Cadillacs. Exactly. Um, Delicious Cadillacs. <laughs> I love the Cones of Dunshire payoff. I know I already I, said this, but I just I'm love it. i shirt, Mark. I know. Yeah. So I my, know. My favorite. It's, if I had to pick a trope of the series, Cones of Dunshire is one of my favorites. Yeah, it'd be up there. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, the gag was definitely not as long lived maybe as Duke Silver, but it's yeah. still one of the silliest and most memorable of, like you said, of, of the entire series. Yeah. Bringing back Cones of Dunshire was brilliant and having Ben seem like some sort of Bobby Fisher yeah. level badass playing yeah. Cones of Dunshire with billionaires in order to the secure. Maverick. Oh my God. Well, he just worked in a taco truck four weeks ago. <laughs> well, Mike Bean? Yeah. 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 But, but I thought it was brilliant to actually use that to 
start off that storyline, the Grizzle storyline, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been we've been threatening to come into play, but now it's in full action, and it was a nice tie-in. Right. Introduce the new with the old. Right, right. Yep. I almost thought it was a little bit of a MacGuffin in the sense that, oh, it's about free Wi-Fi. Yeah. Actually, it's about the cones. It's about. The, it's not really it's a MacGuffin the because yeah. the Wi-Fi part was kind of important. It's going to turn out to be very important. But anyway. I mean, um, it's a reason a Google, excuse me, a Grizzle would wind up in a place like Pawnee, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and, and oh my God, John Balma, I love you. Having Barney come back, even if just very, very briefly. Yeah. To tell Ben the game is actually We had a his. great time talking to him. He's such a, he's a nice person. Very like nice. Human being nice. Yes. But just yes. funny too. And to have Ben accept and then reject one last Barney job offer was priceless. Um, the only thing that I would have changed, and I already talked about this a little bit in my, my thoughts about part one, because yeah. they kind of did it here again in part two, yeah, is I think I would have changed what seems to be Leslie's continuing and in some ways surprising indifference or lack of caring about Jerry. Cause I could have, I could have said, I'll forgive everything that yeah. has ever happened in the history of ever yeah. with regards to how they treated Jerry. If they had just had that one moment yeah. of redemption He's to such... say, you know what? I do love Jerry. You are a nice guy. Yeah. I'm going to miss you, buddy. Even if like Ben, she wanted to keep it a secret. Like I, I would have gone for that, yeah. right? Because then we get that, we get the thing is, you know, it's embarrassing to, to like Jerry, but I don't know. I'm with you. He is so devoted to her. Jerry is to Leslie, and, and hurt. And it makes me like Ben even more that he is like, and maybe that's what they're J doing. Jerry's awesome. I just wish Leslie would have let Ben have that. Because I think they could still make Ben bold by taking this position by having everybody else be a hater. But Leslie's secretly appreciating Larry a little bit. Leslie should be in a different category. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm with you. Now, again, like I said in the first half. Yeah. When did, we reboot the series, when we rewrite did, it, did, we'll did, fix it. Did this ruin the episode yeah. for me? No. But it, it was noticeable, and I just wanted to comment on it. Okay. <laughs> Strap in. Yeah. Mark Rubricane coming. Uh-oh. Base score, 47. Five. Whoa, five, really? Masterpiece. A first? No, it's not a first. It's an okay. extreme rarity. Yeah, you've made this one is, other time. This is the strongest five. It should be a 50. Okay. But five, you Masterpiece, done. I'm going to give a tip of the hat as, as a symbolic gesture to the great Mike Schur for helming this magnificent show and guiding it to such a satisfying, I get it, it's not a finale, but such a satisfying ending. Yeah. I'm going to give two whole points for a great job done by what I consider to be my top four people. Amy Poehler, Aziz Ansari, Adam Scott, Chris Pratt. I'm going to give one more point for what I thought was a great, great job done by the rest of the gang, including Nick Offerman, Audrey Plaza, Retta, Jim O'Hare. Um, I'm going to give a point for what is a gargantuan, never to be duplicated by this show, list of guest stars that we've already discussed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give one whole point for what I say is an absolutely fantastic use of the comedic bench. And yes, I know at 53 minutes they had the time to do that, but still, I'm giving it to them. They did. I'm going to give one point for what I call the Cones of Dunshire combo. It showcased Ben at his, dare I say, badass maverick best. 
playing a game he invented with billionaires to get pony free Wi-Fi, plus a great return of John Balma, although not his last one, including Ben getting the copyright after yeah. all for the game, yeah. and Ben having one last opportunity to accept and reject the job. I know I keep saying that. It yeah. just makes me giddy. Yeah, I'm going to give one point for what I call the mouse rat combo. Showing Andy at his Johnny Crotty best at the mm. Unity concert, plus like his admission to April, how much he misses playing in a band and missing rock and roll, plus his impromptu reunion with Mouse Rat for the Unity concert finale. I'm going to give one point for what I call the Duke Silver combo. One of the most satisfying payoffs to a long-running story gag whatever, culminating with everyone except Tom, April, and Andy, learning for the first time that Ron Swanson has the secret musical life that they had no idea about. Including his kids. It's the first time his kids learn that he is Duke Silver. That could be. Well, I think it is because when she says well, the daddy line, right, which got us both, she says, Daddy, why don't you play music? I don't think that would have been a line she would have said if she'd known. Maybe. So, I, I hadn't thought about that's that. That's certainly the way I interpreted it. So yeah, for me, enough. it's it's even that more meaningful that he he put it all out there. That so, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna give because I'm such a a softy. I'm gonna give two points for the Unity concert combo. Mm. All the great bands there. I mean, real musical talent who were great to listen to and very funny yes. in their own right. Everybody did a great job. Plus the beyond fantastic finale with everyone, including Mouse Rat and Duke Silver. Mm -hmm magnificent a masterpiece and i'm going to give a very bold two extra points for what i call the future combo one of the most creative decisions that i have ever seen jumping ahead three years and i absolutely loved it fantastic kicker so you add all those points up and i get 18 so the mark the mark rubric <laughs> is uh broken and to make things worse alan that's my score for the normal double size episode yeah for several things including the whole tammy 2 subplot which pays off in season season seven by the way and all the extra fantastic footage they kept in the extra 10 minutes holy crap i would add another four points to that score which brings my mark rubric to 22 for the producer's cut so the Mark Rubik has lost all meaning at this point. It's it's horribly and irrevocably broken. Up is down, left is right. Dogs and cats living together, yeah. mass hysteria. So just do what I do, make up a score. So here's, <clears throat> I have to do now what I did with the London season six double episode premiere. Yeah, I'm with you. Which is a ca something I like to call beyond category. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so good. It broke the Mark rubric. Um, and I was afraid that might happen. So, you know, the above was just silliness. It's like, you know, I guess I just I was just doling out points like yeah. Pez from a Pez dispenser. But, I mean, it deserves it. Um, it's, it's, it's so good. So many funny moments. So many heartfelt moments. So many engaging plot points. So much character development. Bringing so many things to a satisfying conclusion. I... I and yet, like the season six premiere, it has a grossly unfair advantage over everything else because the two episodes can like harmonize with each other yes. to create something greater yeah. than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Um, and, and we're six seasons in, all yes. six seasons in, like yes. fully. 
so the one thing I would say is the the only thing that I can realistically compare this to is is the the London double episode season premiere. But even that, Alan, only had forty three minutes. This had fifty three minutes. So I, I guess in a sense I would say setting alone by itself, I rate this higher than anything else that Parks and Rec has ever done. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging that it's an unfair comparison because mm -hmm. it has huge, huge, tremendous advantage. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it kind of needs to stand on its own. If you had said, how do you compare the two parts? Like if I had to give a score for each part, and I think that they strengthen each other yes. by being together. Yeah. Well, and I mentioned in part one, just as a recap, right? The IMDb score for part one is 8.8. .8. Right. It's 9.3 for part two. So people did score them differently because they, they aired technically differently, and therefore you can rate them independently. I, I think I'd probably give part one a 9.5, and I'd probably give part two a 10. Mm. That's and, kind of what I expected and, you to say. And, yeah. and together, just a thousand like it I, I beyond category i can't yeah. i can't accurately score it it's it's so good but in the record books i'm assuming we're giving you're giving it 10 little sebastians no i'm giving it 22 <laughs> and i'm losing my parking space by the way Forever. again yeah but there's only 12 episodes uh, 13 episodes left so it doesn't really matter oh i got senioritis yeah you can just I'm gonna blow take this the popsicle bus. stand you need a parking space yeah i got a i got a golf cart i mean you're living here anyway so what's the matter it doesn't my commute is zero <laughs> All right, um, rock the scuba, I guess. What, <laughs> what, what, you go, how, what do you have? <clears throat> so, you know, I, I don't have the benefit of the Mark rubric, right? Well, neither do I, apparently. <laughs> apparently not. Um, I tend to do the teardown model, right? That's yeah. kind of where You've I, said the way before. I come at this. And so let me tell you how I did that today. So yeah. first of all, MVPs, I, I, you're, it won't shock you because you kind of almost alluded to it. Amy Poehler and Adam Scott are my official MVPs with a super duper strong shout out to Aziz Ansari. I can't argue that. And I'm gonna just embarrassingly admit that I didn't really consider how important and how good Pratt did in this episode until I heard you talking about it. But you're, you're right and I will not argue with you. I'd say the, the importance of Andy in any episode minus some earlier episodes like when April and Andy get married, Rock Show, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he's he's a background figure. So, you know, he doesn't carry the show, doesn't need to carry the show. But boy, does he provide great comedy relief, physical comedy. And in this case, just the musical tie-in helped tell this story, right? So he was a lot more integral to it than I think I gave him credit for. But I'm going to stick with the double, the two and a half MVPs this week. Amy, Adam, and Aziz. Man. Man, yes. Man, I know. I two and a half. <clears throat> I, okay. It made me a little sick when I said it, but yes. <laughs> well, one of them's a woman, so technically it doesn't even qualify. So, and and what a woman, Amy Poehler, right? I mean, yeah, she's the heart of the show. She sure is. I, and, and here's the thing: like, I, I think we've both expressed annoyance with her at times because of the way they've written her character, and that's not necessarily Amy's fault. But we've taken umbrage with some things about Leslie that we'd like to see different, and unfortunately. <clears throat> The, the Larry thing just bothers me. Larry, Terry, Gary, Jerry, you know? Like, so I'm not alone in that. No, no. And in fact, I think it's it, it, it had impact on how I ultimately scored this episode. But let me explain a little more. So a couple things I want to say. So, um, you know, I, I think 
whatever score we would give this, considering that we gave a 10 in season three, right? Getting a 10 now should be easier. Well, it for all the reasons you said. But it depends, though, because there is a pro and a con. The, the, the pro is you can build on what's already yes. happened. The con is you can't, you can't go back to the well now. you yeah. got to come up with even newer stuff. That's a good point. So but it works I, as a I don't disagree too. with you. Yeah, that's fair. But I think that's important to remember both of those when you factor in the score. Okay. Um, so I, I would say there was a couple things that really caught me that I really liked. I liked Ron fully expressing himself to Diane saying, you know, that he's happier now than he's ever been, um, you know, and that's why he having them, her and the kids in his life has made him a different person and opened him up to have fun. It's Ron's journey. It's Ron's journey. They just didn't give him as much screen time as the they others. They did not. But, but that's it's okay. There. It is yeah. there. So I, I think this episode had it all in lots of ways, you know, a really good story for Leslie, a very good story for Ben, you know, who in a lot of shows could just be the spouse right? But he's a big part of this show. Yeah. I think the only reason you don't put him in almost immediately in the same category as, as Amy is because he didn't come in until season two. Mm. And I, I think that's because, you know, they realized that the Mark thing, no offense, Mark, wasn't working for the show. Right. And they made that change and brought in Rob and Adam and uh, changed the show forever. Right. Like, in a very positive way. Um, you know, we started with a very strong and ended with let so it started with leslie and ended with leslie here right which i think is important um you know because we told a very strong tom story about tom's bistro we had this unity concert which was the culmination of a lot more than the concert right it's a culmination of the impact of leslie's time here and ben's um it's the the you know the the truly the unification of the two communities that formerly hate each other, right? And as a result, Leslie giving her the permission to move on because she's she's done right by her town. And, and I thought that it was brilliant to go and have her the the merger she wrote, which is just funny <laughs> as hell in general, uh, to take that and and you know steal that little trope from from murder she wrote with the same font and everything. Right, right. Br Brick would have loved that, but you know I mean so. Um, but <laughs> a little middle reference there. Yeah. But um, to tie that all together, I think is, and to put that out there as a reminder that there are obstacles to every perfect plan. Yeah. And here was Leslie's. I thought that was great writing. I mean, so for me, I could, you know, you gave your MVP to, 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 um, to Mike. I think that you got to give props here to um, Aisha and Alan as well. Like, my yeah. gut is that they're both here because it's a two-part episode and they probably each got one half of the show. I don't know who got which half. And I'm sure by the end, they are all working together with Mike plus the rest of the writer's room. So, you know, it's hard to know exactly who's had the most impact on which piece of this. So I don't care. They just, they knocked it out of the park. I agree. From a writing perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they do said, deserve credit. They do deserve credit. And I, I think, at the, you know, they could have really screwed this up. Mm -hmm. There's so much here. Like, even in the 43 minutes, the two single episode version, there's a lot going on. From a storytelling perspective, like, it's it could be very messy. And frankly, I did give it a different score. Like, I gave the standard cut nine little specials. Mm. <sighs> 
Mark, we don't do quarter points, right? Right. You're not allowing me to do that. Well, I mean, whatever. I mean, you're we making only have shit 12 up. episodes to go. You can look, I have a cot next to me. You can live here. I, I can do care. whatever I want at this point, right? <laughs> well, I'm I see mean looks from the from, I don't the, from the executives I'm looking just in from turn the hallway. My head and not just look don't look at the executives this. and we're going to You know what, Alan? Be the Maverick. You I'm do to be you the want. Maverick. I love that. I love the Maverick thing. Badass Ben is so good. I just, you know, and he was badass Ben when he was Batman until he cried. But, <laughs> but, but I wanted more badass Ben. So, all right. In the teardown model, uh-huh. there's one flaw in this show, and it's Leslie and Larry. It's her treatment of him. And so I take off a tenth of a point, and I gave it 9.9 Little Sebastians, which in the world but we have to live in, I'm rounding up to 10. So I'm giving the, the producer's cut 10. I'm giving the standard cut nine, a whole point different. Alan, I want to say on behalf of all of our, uh, all of our listeners and all of our viewers, you, sir, Alan of the round table, you're the best kind of crazy. I I like your reasoning. I like what you did there. I mean, we can't all be sane like me and give this 22 points, 28 points or whatever you give it. But yeah. Yeah. Why is this episode not a perfect episode? And it almost is. I mean, that's all I could do here. Right. Again, it's it's such a juggling act in general to have four core storylines, right? Yeah. Now, in fairness, you could argue that the, part one did not bring in the fourth storyline. Not really. They talked about it. Hey, we're going to have a concert, but they didn't have a concert. Right. Part two did, plus it, it wrapped up the other three storylines. In fact, I would argue, and I know you and I talked about this in our pre-work, the Leslie storyline, right? And even the Tom storyline, both technically had an A and a B within themselves. I would agree with that. So how many stories are we talking about here? Seven probably by the time we're done, by the time you include Ron and you include the April Andy thing. Like a lot. There's just a lot going on. Plus, like you said, a gazillion. Yeah. With a G-A. <laughs> um, guest stars. Which, you mean grazillion. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I mean, we can't do any better than the finish for the slow clap. Right. So uh, a grazillion. I love it. Yes. <laughs> guest stars, which we've argued. And I know I certainly have at times can be distracting. And yet they pulled it off. Well, I mean, certainly just by the, the, the teardown model of the time that is available in an episode. If there, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, you know, what's the great example from uh, uh, um, Sister City? You know, Fred Armisen. Oh, Fred Armisen. Yeah, he's on screen Hugely, for like tremendously minutes. talented, tremendously yeah. funny. Yeah, but he he took up so much of that episode. It, I mean, because that's time that other people can't have now. And I remember heard our scores on that. We liked it. Yeah, but yeah, but then again, this had a, a huge, huge, huge unfair advantage. I know. I mean, this is like a three hundred pound guy wrestling a hundred pound guy. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a huge advantage there that you just can't get past. It's not a fair comparison. It's not a fair fight. You're right. And and yet we got to give it a score. I did 22, 22. And I gave it 9.9 rounded up to 10. So I I mean, honestly, I would say again, if I just objectively, if I was forced to say, where does this rank in general? I think that the best episode of parks and rec. Yes. Provided that I know you're sick of hearing me say this, it has a grossly unfair advantage over everything else. Yeah, because like because of that, in a lot of ways, I would still give my 
number one blue ribbon to Leslie and Ben. Yeah. Because that was like a 10 with no question at all. Yeah. And it was just a standard episode. I, I think in Harvest Festival, where's that? Now, Harvest Festival was mid-season three. Uh-huh. And I think that was where I said 975 and yeah. I lost my parking you space for the first space, time. Yeah. yeah. But the season three finale, that we gave a 10. We did give that a 10. I think so. that was a producer's cut. Yeah, and that, that you're right. You're right. I thought it was Harvest Fest, but you're exactly right. It was the finale of season three. So, but you know what occurs to me? Because we've seen this happen with episodes that suffered because of this. You could have an episode with one or two killer scenes. But if they don't maintain that yeah. level, yeah. if it kind of sags in sags some points because the they can't yeah. fill it in. So basically, I guess to be fair to our gargantuan episode here, that was 53 minutes that, in my opinion, didn't really sag at any points. That is amazing. It's like it's like they ran the whole marathon on one breath, which is pretty amazing, right? Yeah. Because like it, it is a marathon episode, and to maintain that level and that energy throughout without a point where we all kind of just see that they're literally taking a breath. Right. I didn't see it here. Like it was just go, go, go story, yeah. story, story, and a lot of funny and a lot of heart. Cause I know that I've reviewed episodes of parks and rec where I'm like, the a story is brilliant. And if the B and C story had maintained yes. that level, I may be giving this a we nine, five a or 10, tens, yeah. but it didn't. Yeah. So yeah, there's the score, you know? Yeah. No, I'm with you. Wow. I mean, I, I, um, I, I think, you know, we didn't even really talk about it very much, but I'll, I'll just say I'm going to give another half point. <laughs> <laughs> so my official score is going to be like 10.4 now. Um, I love this. For the double jump in time. Like, how freaking bold is it for a show, any show, including a drama, I'll just say it, but especially, my God, a sitcom, I, the 21-minute, half-hour, you know, <laughs> sitcom in a standard format, to jump not only one month, but then three years in succession in the same episode. Like, that's just crazy. And I remember the first time I saw it, I'm like, what the crap? Like, I was almost angry until I went, ooh, there, I could like this. There, like, this they could do anything now. Yeah, it, it, was, it was brilliant and creative. There have been, so to be clear though, there have been shows that have done <clears throat> this time jump thing before, Yes. Very small. Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Desperate Housewives. Yes. Lost. Yeah. I lost it. Yeah. But it's not common. It, it, and, and none of those are comedies, by the way. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah. And, and again, drama gives you a lot of license that comedy doesn't, especially in a 21 minute standard studio format. Right. Right. Where you don't break the, the rules very often. You know, you follow the tropes, so to speak, and you wind up with a lot of shows that aren't great. This one figured out a way around it. I agree. You know, and, and again, I mean, it's like, what will they do now? So we're all we're all waiting to see why Ben's in a tux, why Leslie's excited, who they're going to go convince about what or hear from, who's angry or happy or whatever. Like, what is going on? And yet, you know what? I agree with all that. And yet I would say for all of the cliffhangery portions of that, Again, I know I already said this, but if this had turned out to be the series finale, yeah, I'd be okay with that. I would too. I wouldn't have been like, you know, oh, I'm pissed because I never found out. I would have been like, you know what, I'm, yeah. I'm, I feel okay saying goodbye to it yeah. at that point. If they'd canceled the show, and, and it's a bit of a dare, right? I'm yeah. very curious. 
if they were seriously considering, I'm sure they were, and I think I've read, I think we've read that by season six, you know, they're not sure what's going to happen, right? This could be it for them. Right. What's going to happen is they're going to get offered a half season to wrap it up. And I wonder if they hadn't had such a cliffhanger, if they would have been offered that opportunity. It's interesting to wonder. Hmm. I'm not sure we'll ever know. Mike sure might know. Greg and Daniels might know. But I've never heard them talk about that. And I'd be curious if, if, they, if, if even they know. We'll have to do some research on that. Yeah. Huh. I agree. So. Wow. Well, Mark, there you go. It was three episodes in one. We Our combined score is 97 <laughs> out of 10. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. I need a smoke. Yeah, I know, right? Let's go have another pizza. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mark, I think that about does it. We want to thank all of our viewers, our listeners at home. Yes. Thank you very much. You've been sticking with us this whole time. And uh, it's hard to believe that we're, we're sitting here at the end. I think we're going to do a season six recap. We know we got that coming up before we launch into season seven, but then we got 13 episodes and we're done. Yep. Can you believe we've been doing this for four years? In some ways it feels like like four months and in some ways it feels like 14 years. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> it depends on which day, right? I know. Yeah. So, but um, I'm excited. I'm excited to get into season seven and uh, to really wrap this thing up the right way. Me too. Yeah. Well, thanks again, everybody. Go out on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there if you would. That really helps us out. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.